Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. The series called Getting There is about getting to the destination that we have in our hearts. It's about obviously navigating life's obstacles and finding ourselves hitting detours along the way. One of the things that I've understood through my own life experiences, but also in being a pastor and a life coach and doing things like that, not just for people, but also for businesses and also for athletes, I've come to understand that our brain doesn't know the difference between a physical wound and a soul wound. And I know that often when we see someone who's hurting, we go up to them and we say, what's wrong? And we can tell that something's not right. And the first thing that we imagine is that they've experienced a soul wound, that there's something about what they are revealing to us in the moment that is not right with them. And they may not always know that they are signaling that they're hurting that they're wounded, that there's something wrong. And, and some of the ways that we can tell that someone is wounded in a particular area is, is how they react. Sometimes the way a person reacts in the situation that they're faced with is, is, is revealing a wound. It's revealing an area where they haven't experienced the healing that God wanted to bring to them and is in process of bringing and that they're still working on. And it doesn't mean that it's neglect on their part. It doesn't mean that God isn't with them. It doesn't mean that they're not trying. But the reality is, is that this moment has revealed the wound. And sometimes when we look at a person who's wounded, we can sometimes identify with that wound. We can think back to our own past experiences and we can relate to what a person is going through especially if they open up about that wound. We can sometimes mirror the pain that they've gone through by speaking of an own, our own pain and of our own woundedness. And in those moments, we can sometimes find connection and find empathy on a level that we otherwise would not achieve had we not have had a similar shared experience. When we talk about shared experiences, we sometimes don't realize that the person who has had the, the greatest shared experience with us is Jesus Christ. Amen. There is no one in this world who understands our pain and our woundedness more than him. And yet we often don't realize that we don't just have in Jesus a savior, we have someone who has experienced every wound this world had to offer and knows how to journey with us in our own woundedness. And so when we go to Jesus, we find not just someone who understands us, but someone who can relate to every aspect of our story, and more importantly, someone who has gone through it themselves. And while I can't find that in a human being, I can find that in Jesus. 
And while I can never make a friend as close as I would like, I can have a friend that is closer than a brother in Jesus. If I cannot get the healing that I need from the resources that are available to me and the amazing people that God can bring into my life and surround me with and even the godly counsel that I can receive, I can receive a measure of healing from Jesus that can come from no better source than the source of God who is the healer, whose love is so infinite and so capable of reaching the innermost parts of both our mind and our body where not only will he be able to heal our soul where we have experienced woundedness, but then the after effects which are most definitely seen in the physical. I've come to believe that there are always emotional phases that we experience when we find ourselves in moments of transition. And one of the things that tends to come up first as a defense mechanism is obviously one of denial. A second one is resistance. A third is commitment. And then the fourth is exploration. Now, obviously, God wants us to be at a place where we're committed and exploring, and not a place where we're in denial or resistance. And so I need you to kind of look at yourself this morning a little bit and just say, this is the area in which I'm struggling with. This is what I believe is the phase that I'm actually in. I'm in this phase of, of denial, resistance, commitment, and exploration. Now, when you do that, what it does is that it opens you up to an awareness that you possibly think you have, but maybe not to the level that you need it. And so when we talk about phases of transition, uh, I'm going to go through what they are, and I, I want you to just think about them, and I realize that you're not going to be able to remember them all, but one of them is most possibly, and I'll say most definitely, it'll probably speak to you more than the others. And if you want to take out your phone and take some photos as we go along, we can't put them all on one uh, screen because of how our live stream works, and so just it's, they're going to appear one at a time. And so the first one I want to speak to you about in terms of a transition phase is called the ending phase. And I want to start there because life is about necessary endings. And, and if we don't accept that, then we're always going to struggle. We're going to struggle in our mind, we're going to struggle in our heart, we're going to struggle in our life. And there are necessary endings that happen to us as much as there are necessary endings that we have to enact. We have to put an end to things. And, and when we do this, then we're going to be able to, of course, make that transition to the next thing in a way that brings not only greater health to us, but to those around us. The second thing is the waiting phase. And many of us feel like when we're in a waiting phase, that we are not able, in that phase, to take the next steps because, well, we're waiting. And we don't realize that it is in the waiting that life is still happening. Those moments are just as precious as any other. 
And we somehow dilute the importance of the waiting phase, thinking that because we can't make a decision, because we're in transition, that we somehow think that because we're waiting, that those moments are not important. What's important is only what happens next. And if we do that, we miss out on what God is going to do in our lives. Because the waiting is just a moment in the long and wonderful timeline that God has for our life. The third one is called the navigating phase. And the navigating phase requires like just this patience and resilience because whether we realize it or not, sometimes, well, the route is going to be longer than we desired. And the passage that we're going to look at in Joshua, we see that when the Israelites left Egypt, they never envisioned and imagined that it would take as long as it did to enter into the promised land. And everyone thought it would be Moses who would have walked them across the river and into that land. And it turns out that Moses dies, and now Joshua is the one who has to take over. And so we don't know how long the navigation phase is going to take. And so here's the thing about that, is that we have to remain steadfast and focused on the God who is leading us every day. The other phase is called the reconciliation phase. And in this reconciliation phase, this is where we, honestly, we confront our self-doubts and, and we identify uh, deficits like constantly searching for something out there instead of searching inwardly. And this happens to most people that I talk to. It's always about what's out there and very little about what's in here. And, here, and, here's, how, and here's how God works bring order to your inner world, and God blesses your outer world. The world is always talking about, well, the outer world, regardless of the inner world. Because if, if you know the steps to success, who cares what kind of a person you are, what kind of character you have, what kind of a father or husband or man or woman, or wife or mother you are, it doesn't matter as long as you achieve your objectives and are successful. If you are successful, then who cares about reconciling what it means to be a whole person? The next phase is called the asking phase. And when we talk about the asking phase, we're talking about we question, and we question, and we keep questioning what we truly need to create the life that we want. And the reason I bring this up is because just because something is in your life and you are doing a thing, it doesn't mean that that is the thing that you need to be doing or the thing that you need to be having in your life. We need to be constantly questioning this. And then giving God an opportunity to respond. Because here's what I often know people do. They question, they question, they question, because they are in a transition 
but they don't listen, they don't listen, they don't listen, they don't listen, they don't listen. Because they're listening to their own answers. And so when they ask the question, the answer is already, I don't want to do this, but here's the thing, but what if God wants you to do it? I, I get that you want to move on, but what if he doesn't want you to move on? What if he doesn't want you to let it go? What if the worst thing you can do is actually listen to yourself in this moment instead of listening to God? And then there were moments in my life where, man, even as a minister, like you find yourself in, in a context where you just want to, want to move on. You do. And, and there are a lot of reasons for that. And sometimes those reasons aren't always someone else's fault. They're sometimes just your own. And it's just easier to keep running than to stay and be changed the way that God wants you to be. So we have to keep asking. Here's another one. It's called the choosing phase. And in the choosing phase, we notice opportunities to engage in something new and to strive to overcome past narratives. And, and what God is doing is that he's bringing things into our present. And here's the beautiful part, to always overcome the past. Oh, man. Always. You know, we always think that what God brings us into our present is always about the future. But, but you see, God wants you to create the future with him. But here's the problem. The anchor that is the past is keeping you from experiencing that. And so what he brings into your present helps you to overcome the past so that you can experience your best future. And so you've got to be in this choosing phase where you've got to be selecting and understanding the opportunities that are coming your way. Because everything is about dealing with the past and about creating the future. And so your choices matter all along. Every single one of them. Even in the moments of transition. Especially in those moments. Okay, two more. You still right with me? Okay, and don't worry, there's scripture coming, okay? Just in case you think I've, like, abandoned the Lord here. I haven't. So here's the conflict phase. The conflict phase is we resist the urge to blame. We move away from self-protection, and we allow ourselves to be overcome by truths instead. And I know that when we get to this point, phase in our life, we're, we're showing real maturity. We're, we're showing that we are no longer the same people, that we are able to rise above, like we are not going to be and remain in conflicts with people that God has given his life for as well. Amen. We are going to understand their intrinsic value in the eyes of the Lord, even if in our own eyes they don't have any. We are not going to see people and situations and circumstances the way that human beings do. We're going to do that the way that the Lord Jesus does. We are not going to imprison debtors. We are going to forgive them just as we are forgiven of debts that are even greater. 
You see, when we get to this place, we, we, we're revealing that we are not trapped in the prisons of our own making. See, sometimes the transitions of our life just feel like it's always someone else imprisoning us. But what God reveals is that sometimes these prisons are the ones that we've made for ourselves. Even if it's someone else's fault, primarily. God says, why would you want to stay in that prison when I've come to set you free? So when Jesus says, I've come to set the captives free, he's talking about me. You know, he was talking about you. And whatever prison that is. And so we've got to be able to get out of that phase. And some of us, we stay way too long in that phase. Wouldn't you agree? Like, way too long. We hold on to things. And I'm not saying we don't have a reason. But sometimes it's just better to let go of the reason. Because the better reason is that you have a life to live. Amen. You've got a future to embrace. You've got things to do. You've got a person you still need to become. Amen. And great things that God wants to use you for. You can't be stuck in that prison. You've got to live the life that God has gifted you with. Here's the last one. It's called the learning phase. And what this is, is that when we've worked through a bunch of things, we're, we're now open to our mind and our heart and to the things that God brings our way and we're able to just embrace those things. We, we bring discovery and, and fresh ideas and, and we're always moving from a place of transformation to a place of transformation. It's like there's always something continuously happening and it's, and it's going like from, 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 from good to great. From a place that's great to whatever our definition and our understanding of what perfect is. And God says, you're going to get to this place in your own life where you're going to see that my will for your life is always good. It's always pleasing. It's going to be great. And it's going to be perfect for you. Can you accept that for yourself today? Can you embrace that and see your part in that so that you can experience that so that you can live this out you see when we are in this learning phase we we don't have time to keep revisiting the past because there's something new that is always before us that we need to embrace for the journey ahead and so once we've learned the things of the past then we can no longer be anchored by them and move forward on the journey that God is leading us on because he's all about making sure that we get there. Amen. And so in Joshua chapter 1, we are going to see some key principles in this passage now. And I'm going to break it down for us so that we can embrace these principles so that we can navigate life's transitions. And let's read the scriptures together, okay? And so after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, who was Moses' assistant, and he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. And therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River, and the land that I am giving them. And I promise you that what I promised Moses that wherever you're going to set 
foot, you will be on land that I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. And then no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you, but I want you to be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land that I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions that Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left, and then you will be successful in everything that you do. I want you to study this book of instruction continually. I want you to meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Do you understand that the promises that are given to one have been also given to you? Now, when they are in the scriptures like this, the teaching that we have is a teaching that God wants us to not only hear, but then apply. And so when he speaks, he says, in the same way that I was with Moses, Joshua, I'm going to be with you. And in the same way that you can turn to God and say, God, in the same way that you were with Moses and Joshua, I know you are with me. You see, that is the beauty of being a son and daughter of our Heavenly Father. That the promises that He has given them are the promises that He has given you. This is your inheritance. Your inheritance are His promises. And so if we are to navigate death and life, if we are to navigate territories and lands, if we are to leave enemies and face new ones, if we are to leave slavery and enter into the promises of God, if we are to fight battles and have victories, then we need to follow the principles and truths that are contained in his teachings. See, he gives Joshua an understanding of what it's going to take for him to be successful in everything that he does. And did you notice that the key to that success was the scriptures and meditating upon the word of God day and night? In other words, embracing all of its truths and principles and then applying them into your life and so that when life's situations arise and when you find yourself in the transitions of this life you're going to know how to navigate them because the wisdom you're going to utilize won't be yours it will be god's and god's wisdom always brings blessing Amen. 
See, one of the most amazing things about Solomon in all of his weaknesses and brokenness that he experienced after his extraordinary prayer of praying for wisdom is that because God looks at him and says, Solomon, you could have asked for anything. But instead of asking for fame and riches, you asked me for wisdom. And so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you fame and riches too. See, he asked for the right thing, and God blessed him with more than what he asked. You see, when we meditate on the right things, we'll know what to ask for God, and then God will give us the success that we need in the areas that we need it. See, we don't have to ask and pray God for fame and for riches. You don't need to do that. We're not those people. God is saying, you don't do that. What you do is you ask me for wisdom. What you do is you ask me for your, an understanding into my scriptures. That's what's going to bring you your success. You see, we have a reverse economy as followers of Jesus. Everyone is chasing after fame and riches, but we are chasing after his wisdom. And when we ask God for his wisdom, we then experience everything that will be added because we have put him in his kingdom first. I love that God just gives it to us so clearly in this passage. And the first thing I want to do is just highlight it so that we can just understand how we're going to navigate this together. He says, the land you walk on. And, and so when I'm, when I'm in a position of transition, when I don't know sometimes where, where I'm, I'm, I'm coming from, maybe even where I'm going... The first thing I've got to remember is that the land that I am walking on is a land that God has already given me. I mean, that is the foundation to everything. I've got, got to trust God for this promise. And so I, I, I may feel completely out of my death, and, and that's exactly how Solomon felt. In fact, he says, I don't know how to be a king. He says, every day I wake up and I don't know what to do. And so that's why I need your wisdom. And, and so the first thing that God shows him is that the land that he's walking on is the same land that he gave his father David. In the same way that he gave it to David, he's given it to Solomon. That the same anointing that was on David is now on Solomon. The same anointing that was on Moses is now on Joshua. In the same way that Moses parts the Red Sea, it will be Joshua who parts the Jordan River. You see, it doesn't matter what your name is. What matters is that you believe that the land you walk on, God has already given you. Are you walking around believing that the land you walk on has been given to you by God? You see, anytime I am in enemy territory, anytime I feel like I am viciously surrounded for defeat, anytime I see myself outnumbered, outsmarted, outresourced, anytime I feel like I am less, I remind myself I walk on a land that you have already given me. There is nothing that stands before me that you have not already defeated. 
There is nothing beneath me that you haven't already given me. And so this is not about my capacity. This is not about me. This is about me believing in what God has already promised. And so he says, I promise you what I promised Moses, that wherever you set foot, you will be on land that I have given you. You believe that? So here's the second thing, the people you face. And look at what it says here in verse 5. The people that you face, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail, and I will not abandon you. Who believes this for themselves? Come on. You believe this for yourself? You believe this transition in your life, in this moment of your life, as you're navigating the obstacles of this life? You see, God is saying, the people you face, I've got this. I've got this. You don't need to worry. I had it with others. I have it with you. Here's the next one. The people that you lead. Because what God does is that he calls on all of us to be leaders in this world. Amen. Man, I, I, I think that a lot of people don't understand the calling of leadership that each of you possesses already. I think that we... we, we are so used to giving our leadership away and surrendering our leadership to others that we don't understand that if these promises are for us, then we are the leader that God has chosen in this world. And he's called you to lead in your home and in your workplaces and in society. He's called you to lead in ways that you never fathomed or imagined, but he's called you to lead. And he's called you to lead others. He doesn't want you navigating this life and experiencing the goodness of it and the, and the blessings of it and the prosperity and the peace and the provision of it and all the protection that comes with it without being able to lead others as well. You are the leader that God has chosen. And the people that you lead are people that are going to be turned into leaders too. See, we don't need to make more disciples. We need to make more leaders. Every disciple is a leader. You're a disciple for a time and for a season, and then you get into leadership, and then you find others to turn into leaders. Can we say amen to that? That's what we've got to keep doing. That's how this thing is going to grow. This is how the world is going to change. It's not going to change by keeping people disciples. And there are too many churches and pastors and leaders trying to keep people disciples. That's not God's way. God's way is to release disciples into apostles and for them to turn the world upside down. They are to turn the world upside down. God wants us to go out there and to seriously turn things around. And God is saying, the people that you lead, and here's the verse for that, be strong, be courageous, 
For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land that I swore to their ancestors I would give them. You are the one. You're that person. You're the person that God is going to use. Here's the next one, the word of God that you keep. You see, we learned earlier that it is important for us to experience success when we embrace his scriptures. I know that many of us have experienced success without the scriptures. And that always speaks to me about how when we measure success, we tend to sometimes have a false measurement to identify it. See, when, when, when God sets up a standard of success, he, he looks at us and he says, the blessing that you receive is a blessing that you are going to also be able to bless others with. And that is the truest measure of success. See, if you succeed and no one else succeeds, that is not success. And it's not God's success. You see, we don't hold on to leadership. We release it because the only true leader we all have is Jesus Christ. So we can make other leaders and not fear of losing our leadership because we know all the promises that he's already given us. And one of them is for us to lead others into leadership. And so we don't have to be afraid of any of that. And so the word of God keeps encouraging us. And when we see someone who sometimes does better than we did or is blessed more than we are, you don't worry about that because that's God's plan for their life. And it doesn't in any way minimize the plan that he has for your life. And how you respond to that moment tells God everything about what he gives you in the next moment. And when we get jealous and when we get incapable of, of just celebrating other people's successes, God's saying, well, I can't give you more. I can't trust you with more because you don't know how to, how to do the, the thing that I did. So I entrusted this whole thing to 12 people and I left. And, and those people went and turned the world upside down. I trusted them with that. We are here today because Jesus trusted the 12. All of them. And yes, Judas had his part to play. But he trusted him too, right to the end. I need you to see that, that God trusts us all and, he, and he's calling on us to keep his word. Because as we keep that word, we are going to be able to then do this. Be strong, be very courageous, be careful to obey all the instructions that Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left, and then you will be successful. Look at this, in everything that you do. God is promising you success. But he's saying, 
it happens when you don't deviate from his word. You don't go to the right, you don't go to the left, you stay focused on what I've already said. You lay your foundation on my word. Every day you meditate on that. Every day you lean on that. Every day you grow in your wisdom with that. Every day you question everything through the scriptures, and then you're going to have success. Don't be too hard on yourself this morning. And don't be too hard on yourself in this life because you are not meditating on his word day and night. I understand that it, it, it's, it's a battle. I understand that it's, it, it's, it's a challenge. It's easy to declare these things, and it's another thing to be able to do them. I, I, I struggle with it too. But I need you to understand that, that I, I don't want to make my life decisions based on the instruction that I receive from a wise person that can lead me to success. I want my success to come because I have obeyed the Word of God. And if I don't know what the Word of God says about it, I'm going to meditate day on and night on what the Word of God says before I make my decision. And then I'm going to make my decision. I'm going to say, God, you know, I know this is an open door. God, I know this is an opportunity. I know this is something that I can do. You give me the freedom to do it. But what does your word say on this? See, I can, I can lean back on his wisdom, and then I can say, well, the word of God that was given to Moses and the word of God that was given to Joshua and the word of God that was then later given to David and the word of God that was given to Solomon it's the same word of God that is given to me. They're not wiser than me. They're just more dedicated to me, than me to paying attention to what God has already said. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the word of God and I'm going to keep that. And I'm going to make my decisions according to that. And I know that then God will make me successful in everything that I do. See, it's going to be as a result of that. And so I get it if there are times and seasons in your life where you kind of take a step back and a step away, and you're not as close to the Lord as you want to be, but it doesn't mean that the Word of God has gone away. Bring it back into your life. Turn back to the Lord. Devote yourself to the Scriptures again and make the decisions that God can then help you to make with his wisdom, with his promises that are going to give you the success that you're looking for. Here's the last one. And it's the emotions that you control. And we talked about how we can sometimes at the very beginning just be emotionally all over the place in the transitions of our life. And God is saying, I need you to understand this. I am putting you in charge of your emotions. And so... This is what he says in verse 9. This is my command. I want you to be strong and courageous. And this is how you're going to do it. Don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. Oh, come on. I want you to pay attention to what he's saying here. He's telling you, don't be afraid. So every time you're afraid, you're going to say, I am not going to be afraid. 
I'm going to be strong and I'm going to be courageous. Every time that you get discouraged, you're going to say, I am not going to get discouraged. I'm going to be strong and courageous instead. You see, God is saying, you need to speak yourself out of the pit that you find yourself slipping into. You need to call back on my name and on my promises and the things that I've already declared over your life. See, the more you're afraid, the more you're going to become discouraged. Because God is saying, I don't want you to be that person because I want you to know that I am the Lord your God. And wherever you go, I am always the Lord your God. I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. I will never forsake you. And so, are we ready to receive these promises in our life today? Are we ready to make them our own? To have the control over our emotions? God is saying, you control your emotions, they don't control you. This is how you have control over your emotions. You have control over your emotions by being strong and courageous and understanding that I, your Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Well, thank you guys. God bless you. And so we're going to pray that God would help us to take his wisdom and put it into practice. The things that we have learned today, Lord, the promises that you have made, may we be truly reminded of them. That the way that you spoke it to your leaders, you have spoken it to these leaders right here. That the victory that you gave those leaders is the victory that you're giving these leaders. Thank you for what you've done and what you're going to do in their lives today as they navigate life's transitions because you have promised to get us there. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only He can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening, and God bless you immensely.